getting into our. I did a poem. Have you seen the poem? I, don't I didn't see the poem. No. Yeah. Oh wait, in the guy, email. the spoken word yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I so did I, see that. He's that. in the film too. He's in the film. Yeah. yeah. He's the lead in the next film. Yeah. He was the guy with uh, cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you in the film? I was. Yeah, right. Would you, uh, based on the smile on your face, were you the guy? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm going to say, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I was getting bummed. Yes, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Gimp Mask, but yeah. getting bummed. And then, you know, sat down for like two hours, got on like house on fire. It's like, shit. It's usually when it happens, though, right? When you're like, this, this is <clears> over <throat> for me. Like, what am I even doing this for? Yeah, yeah. But she's cool, man. She's got like Adam Sandler, Stephen Merchant on her books, personally. Uh, yeah. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. On there, like, nice. Not bad. It's all right. It just means you're a very small fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, <laughs> though, because you get to look up. I don't think you ever want to be on top. You want to yeah. be... I, I, I like... Like, when I do editing, I use Sony Vegas, because I feel like they're in second place. Mm. I always said... I, I always played FIFA. Yeah. But I always thought Pro Evo was like making bigger improvements because they're second place. And yeah. I think second, in, second place is the challenger. Yeah. You know, when you've got the title belt, you kind of get a bit more relaxed. But I think sec- I always go with second place. Yeah. I always think they're like Man City next year. If we lose the league and come second, next year we'll win it yeah. by 20 odd points. Oh, that's what Liverpool did, right? Yeah. yeah. You get hungrier. Yeah. I think I always back, if I'm going to watch horse racing, back the second favourite. Yeah, yeah. Better, better, better odds as well, more money. Yeah, exactly. Better odds. You're like, you know, sneaky. Yeah. Not quite the underdog, but not the front runner. So uh, we started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's easier to do it that way, right? Yeah. Just kind of set it up, just yeah. get talking, a bit more natural. Exciting. Rather than on tonight's show, <laughs> some big lights. On tonight's edition of The Late Show. And it gets you going. Do you know what I mean? You can have that little five-minute yeah. talk at the start. Yeah, I um, I've been buzzing to ask you this ever since uh-huh. you were coming on the podcast. The... 150 grand raised yeah. story yeah like how do you go about becoming Britain's youngest ever director like how I know, obviously we know your story how you yeah. did it it's yeah. so like how did that all begin how did you actually think that was even possible because for most people raising that amount of money to go and do something that usually in the past you would need a whole production studio yeah. to do yeah like how on earth did you even think that was possible and how did you go about yeah. that yeah I didn't think we'd do it till we did to be honest, I didn't know how we'd do it. I didn't mm. know any rich people. I'd never done it before, obviously. It was like, until you do it, you know, I still struggle to believe that we raised the money. Like, yeah. I knew we could make the film, but like, a bunch of kids trying to raise that money who aren't from like, massively rich families. How old were you then? 19? Uh, 18, 19, yeah. yeah. Wow. So I dropped out of uni. Well, I went, I went to work, I was, I was up in York do, uh, at uni, did film and TV for a year, hated it. Dropped out, and just as I was dropping out, I went and worked on a feature film called Scott and Sid. Um, and the director, Scott, sat me down on day two that I was working on it and you know, just as a runner uh, and he saw that I was asking bright questions and just interested in you know how, how, I'd probably asked him the same question he was only 30 and they raised a mill um, and there were two guys from Bradford so like they didn't sound very you know intelligent they didn't feel like they were far away from you know me as people um, and yeah, just just he sat me down and half an hour just changed my life. And this half an hour chat that just installed this belief in me that I could do anything I like in the world, and it was only my own mentality stopping me from doing it. And he said, "Quit uni. Uh, you know, I'll kind of teach you how to raise money. I'll help you put a deck together. Yeah. You know, I'll teach you all the, you know, how all the tax breaks work and stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, and then we dropped out, and it took we were about 
three or four months in and you know the, the deck only took a, a week of work to do and we kind of worked out how the film could make money and you know make it a kind of commercial appeal to an investor but we just didn't know any investors like we didn't even know where to start you know we were like googling like investors <laughs> you know how do we do it and you know knew a couple of people at university whose dads had like companies so I thought I'll start with them and you know I'd met these guys when I'd been at their house and stuff um, and they weren't interested in investing because I was 18 I was like alright fine you know but a lot, I think a lot of people would have given up there and just been like alright you know we can't do it with two yeah pro- probably like 50% yeah. maybe more yeah where well, I was like let's just look at it a little deeper like I why is being 18 the problem and it's a problem because you haven't, you've never even seen that amount of money, never mind, been trusted with it, budgeted properly, made a profit, all the rest. You know, why would you trust an 18-year-old kid with basically no business experience with your money? You wouldn't. Mm. And I was like, you know, no matter who I am, you wouldn't. Um, so I went away and decided I needed to start a company, and hopefully that would go well, and then I could go back a year later. And we'd already done like you know, a ton of short films and won awards and stuff for them, so I kind of felt like I'd proved myself for my age um, on the kind of creative side um, but we started an inflatable hot tub rental empire <laughs> they were inflatable were they yeah, yeah. Inflatable. I knew they existed I was wondering how you got them built you know the yeah. startup cash to do that that yeah, has to no. come from somewhere so. so we started with 1500 quid overdraft um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we bought one hot tub I made a website myself read a book I worked out middle-aged women were going to be our customers so read a book about from Essex yeah Yeah. social media marketing to middle-aged women read a book about it there's a book about that loads of books about it it's unbelievable unreal was it e-book or proper published Uh, I think I I read two or three I think one was one was an audio book and a couple were like actual paperbacks Um, and yeah we just got good at Facebook marketing and we'd run you know we'd run these competitions where we'd put like 100 quid behind them Facebook post and do you know tag five friends that you'd want to share a hot tub with and you might win a free one and you know, conveniently it was always my mates that won the hot tubs yeah <laughs> <laughs> luck of the draw eh yeah um, but yeah you know we, we, we just got smart but you know we started that company with just the aim of making it as impressive in a year as humanly possible so I could go back to investors say look you know trust me on the business side as well now make it rain um, so we, we grew it kind of you know, looking back and not intentionally at the time but irresponsibly you know we had within a year we had like nine different cities operating with like wow. five or six hot tubs each and like staff all, you know, all across the country and it turned into a big logistical nightmare you know like just the uh, the things are inflatable so they pop mm-hmm. and when they pop half the time they're in people's houses Oh wow! Yeah, I'd get a call at like three AM from a woman in Southampton when I was in York saying I've put a cigarette out on my hot tub. It's popped, and my entire apartment block is flooded. Fuck! It's like eight hundred liters of water. <laughs> well, that's like, not your fault. Though. Yeah, it's like why have you done that? Yeah, what, do you, what the hell what did, did you, you mean there? <laughs> yeah, did we say fire retardant? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I was mad. But it was cool, man. It was like ten years of business school. You know, like we run, yeah. run businesses as Agreed. little side hustles now, and the amount we've learned. From all of them, you know, every business is better than the last one just because you learn so much more. Like, yeah. We've just done this mini golf course. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just trying to work out stuff that we've not, you know, all my, all my other businesses are based on direct email marketing. That's yeah. how you get work. And this one, you know, is far more um, flamboyant sales process. You should do texting as well, text marketing. There's a new app called, uh, it was coming soon, it's going to be oh. called Community. Okay. It's uh, Ashton Kutcher's one. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be really, really good. They're only except you go on a waiting list right now. They probably let you in based uh-huh. on who you are. They've only let like high level social people in so far. Uh-huh. But you can just add people to this like texting list. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, right? We're all sat there with our phones all the time in front yeah. of them. Like, you're just going to hit that person up and it's going to feel like an individual text from, yeah. like, let's say LeBron James does it and he just messages like 40 million people yeah. in one go. You know, it's going to cost him a little bit, but it's probably yeah. worth it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to be at this venue doing this merch giveaway, blah, blah, yeah. blah. That's cool. Maybe a million people in that city turn up and just shut the whole thing down. Social That's media crazy. blows it up again and yeah, again yeah. and again. I think it's wow. the next big thing. It's cool, man. How do you get people's phone numbers? Um, you, I think they'd have to sign up on the community thing. So I think they go in, they put their number in, all their details, and then it pings them a message saying, look, this message is from blah, blah, blah. It's automated. Okay. The next one will be from... You could say yourself, like myself, the company, whatever. I think it's nice to do a personal touch, though. Yeah. You know, email marketing is very much like, hi, John, this is so-and-so. But you know it's not. Everyone knows now. Like, we've had so many emails. We know it's a merger. All mine are done by computers. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of have to be, right? What are you going to do? Sit there, like, all day just sending individual ones? Yeah. 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 He's got time for that. It's not realistic. But getting a text, I think that's still going to get through that gateway Mm. of people's minds of being like, this could be Chris, this could yeah. be Jack. This yeah, could, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Do a little video message. Yeah. What's that? Well, yeah, you could do that as well. Yeah. That's cool, man. I like it. It's uh, but yeah, nice. It's um, yeah, the the, the back to the money thing. We, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we we did the company for a year and then that got impressive. Um, we turned over a lot of money. Um, didn't make a lot of profit, you know, because we were just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. growing and growing and growing. Um, do you ever wish you held that back a bit? Um. Yes and no. No, because it was a very deliberate stepping stone doing the movie. Yeah. Uh, yes, if, if I didn't do the movie for whatever reason, you know, it, the company still exists. We sold it, and then I think it got sold on again. And um, it's still out there. I think they did the smart thing. The current people, I think it's only in three or four cities now. So they took all the best performing cities, put all the hot tubs in them cities, rather than spread them out across the UK. Yes. Yeah, you know, we had cities like, I can't remember, we had, Lee, York was always the best one because like, we started it. Why was that? Because we were there, and it was like oh right, so like, it's just like a home touch. Yeah, like we started it. It was the first one. Uh, it was a nicely sized city for it because it's not too big. So like you know, you, we we I don't I don't think we did Manchester while I was there. We did Leeds, like places like Leeds, and we did Liverpool, and Newcastle. They're big cities, so like yeah, it could take you an hour to drive somewhere. Whereas York's only going to take you twenty minutes, and people have money there. You know, it's, it's not a poor place. Do you think? Do you think? I always think it'd be more poverty, not poverty areas, but places where people haven't got as much spare income. Yeah, it's just like it, inflatable hot tub yeah, rather than full blown hot tub. It was a mixed bag of people. Um, a lot of them usually had kids. They were middle aged women because that's who we marketed to because they spent the money in the house and they liked all that stuff. And one of the books had a theory that it went back to like caveman, cavewoman era where they wouldn't like other middle aged women know that they've wasted their resource. So oh, really? they would essentially what that meant in 21st century is that even if they had a rubbish time with our hot tub, they would change their Facebook profile picture to them in a hot tub with all our branding around the side. Yeah, so yeah. Other middle-aged women would get jealous and get. It. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, we did loads of business, man. It's cool, and you knew if it was if it was a hot day, you'd sell like. Yeah, because everyone's got it on their minds. Yeah, yeah. It's that trigger thing. There yeah. used to be an ad where two, there was like two good-looking people. They were, you know, that typical bathroom scene, both in shape, you know, attractive woman, attractive man. Mm. He gets out of the shower, he slips and just like breaks his neck, right? Mm. And uh, the ad went famous. And at the end, because it was like, get yourself a bath mat. 
and it went like worldwide and yeah. it was really famous everyone was like what a great ad problem is when you're getting out of your bathtub or you're showering you like slip uh-huh. and you go shit I need to get myself a bath mat you're nowhere near and it was before Amazon so you're yeah. nowhere near anywhere to like bath bed bath and beyond yeah. to go and get yourself a bath mat yeah. so everyone was like it was great but it was kind of pointless yeah. and they didn't, it didn't do that well but yeah. the ad blew up yeah. strange right so it's kind of the trigger, but on a hot day, you know, people could pick the phone up and yeah. just order one. Yeah, man. You guys. Yeah, sort of thing, like, if we did it, like, cause now, we, we had, then we had a second company, we still got Giguana, which films live music. I like across, that, yeah. Across the world. So we have, we have freelance camera people in the city, and they've all got certain equipment, and they're trained to our way of shooting a gig, and then we just do, again, direct email marketing to bands. We used to use, we used to hire about eight Filipinos full time. Now I've got computers doing it. Um, but we used to, we used to hire. Was that on Fiverr? It was something, something like that. that. Yeah. It was, it was onlinejobs.ph. So it's a little bit like, yeah. um, like Indeed, but where Filipinos sign up. But it's great. The Filipinos are awesome. Outsourcing is class. Because, you know, you're paying them less than you pay an English person, but we're, we're also paying them triple their national minimum wage, which means they work very hard. Agreed. It's affordable to us. Our business model wouldn't work if we were paying people in the UK. It's too cheap. Like as in, like our product's too cheap to make margin if we're spending that much to get a gig, um, and you know we'd give them like private healthcare, which costs like forty bucks a month, uh, paternity, maternity leave, six weeks paid holiday a year, like stuff they'd never get from a local employer. Mm-hmm. I think it's eight, and you know they, because you treat them well, they work so hard. This thing is always frowned upon, but they're actually benefiting so much yeah, more. You actually think about it, you know, just think yeah. like people don't like the idea of it, but you just think, you know. You know, yeah, people, you will have some people over here that take the mic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, that's bad. But that's bad for whoever you're employing anywhere in the world. Um, but, you know, you, yeah, like Donald Trump doesn't like outsourcing one bit. You know, he wouldn't like this because it's taking jobs away from folk over here. Making but America great again. But it's not, you know, like if I, you know, we employ our, our editors over there as well. And it's, you know, for me to pay the same amount of money in the UK, I'd get a lot worse editor. What that's what I was going to ask because the quality that I get I get a lot of Indian guys to do mm. a lot of coding and stuff mm. I'm making an app at the moment and the guy's like 800 quid to do an app that somebody else quoted me for like 18 grand for yeah. but and the, qual- the quality's fine yeah. you know, I think quality's actually better yeah well it will be you know, because it's a big job to them in you know, that amount of money is sizable whereas here it's not going to get someone excited you know but yeah you know it's I think it's great. It's well, it's, you know, we we do the most, the you know, majority of our trade in the US and Canada. So it's like even looking at like currency exchange rates and trying to work out what's good for my income. Mm. <laughs> it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. We're about to launch. We got there's like 32. So I think we're in eight cities at the minute, and I think there's another 32 where we think it will work. So it's like last year was a nightmare with it. I bought out my business partner, and didn't really replace her properly for quite a few months. Yeah, and yeah. You know, a little bit of a dip or trying to do my like, film career and like uh, but now we've sorted with December was our best month of the year what, what do you think about like doing multiple things at once or do you think it's better to like just target one specific thing yeah, I don't, dominate I don't, that industry and then go okay that kind of self runs yeah I, I always have this internal battle I, yeah. don't, I don't know um, I'm the same I do stuff because film until you know, it's different now I've got the agents but I've got the agents like two months ago yeah, now I can go and make a pilot episode um, or write a two-pager, or do a deck, I give it to my agents, and if it's good, we can, well, there's a clear route to getting it made. I didn't have that before, I had to go raise money, like we did for Dewsbury, yeah. and it's hard, you know, it's really hard, you know, and the budgets were getting bigger, and it's like we'd, 
been trying to raise 1.2 mil for the next film for like a year now which is quick you know we're close mm-hmm. and we've done very well in a year and we've got all the cast attached and BAFTA winners Oscar winners blah blah blah, blah. Um, so we've done it quick but it's like there's lots of time in between to do other stuff and you never know whether you're distracting yourself you know like we've got a mini golf company now that's like two or three months old as well and it's like I'm putting lots of time and effort into it because it's different. You know, Gigwana runs it, so I've got a business, very good yeah. business partner. He does all the day-to-day running. We own equal shares in it. You know, there's a couple of other people involved as well. I don't really have much to do with it apart from kind of, you know, I've even employed someone now to do all the strategy stuff, the stuff I used to do. But it's got it's got bigger than I ever thought we could get. So it's like, you know, I'm kind of out of strategy. <laughs> I, don't yeah, know, yeah. I don't know what to do with it. Um, Bringing more Filipinos. Filipino, Filipinos are out. We've got, we've got two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we've reduced one thing we have done. We've knocked three quarters of our monthly costs since September, which is good. The costs yeah. were killing us, man. We're spending like three or four grand a month on Filipinos. Do you know what people don't realize as well with their costs? It's the same with like daily bills. It's people don't realize technically it's tax free. Because mm. whatever you spend, you know, if you didn't spend it, you get all of that back. Yeah, yeah. So everyone always tries to earn more. Yeah. But if you look at your expenditure, yeah. you know, you get all of that back. Yeah. You know, but with the spend, it's like, oh, my, let's say your wages are fifty thousand a year. Yeah. Somebody says, oh, I need sixty to live a good life. Yeah. And no, you don't. You could you could save oh, a lot awesome. easier based yeah, on yeah. what you spend because you get all of that back. Mm. Whereas when you earn sixty after tax, maybe five of that's gone immediately. Yeah. So I've I've never earned a lot of money in my life really, like. Of what I've done, I've I've preserved my freedom. Yeah, you know, I've always put my freedom before mm-hmm. finance. You know, all all money is is freedom tokens. Yeah, I've never understood people work a job they really hate for their entire life so they can retire or do the stuff they want to do at weekends. Just do it for your job, man. Yeah, well, just take, you've got to be brave and you've got a circumstance got to be right. And not everyone has that luxury. I was very lucky to grow up in a very supportive family. You know, and I always knew if it was going right, I could move back in for a bit. You know, and yeah, like. I, not everyone has that I get it but for everyone that does have that you really should just do what you really want to do in life you know like I've never you know so many of my mates are like doing stuff they hate and, but not even like thinking like they're not it's not like they're just taking a step back and there's a reason for it they're just not thinking about it it's like they've just been told that that's what you should do like you should go get an office job yeah and there's no like direction there's no like master plan is that what the film was about, in so many words? Was that kind of like your message? Jewsbury. Is it? Um, yeah. Kind of, yeah. When, when, when the, I'll, I'll bring the film up on screen yeah. as well in editing. I'll bring it up yeah. now so people can see it, get yeah, you some, yeah. uh, some more watches. Yeah, um, kind of. Like, as we were writing the script, I think as we were shooting it, my dad's mate was dying. So it, was, yeah, it kind of transpired that it, you know, we were kind of mirroring something that was actually happening in our Is that who but, it was... Um, Dedicated to Dedicated it. Dedicated so, to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it really was about... I had gone to university and lost touch with a lot of my mates from school. Not really lost touch, but, you know, like, some of them were going off... We were like, I was still mates, but they kind of felt, like, a bit more... You know, people were going and getting girlfriends and moving out of London, and I was up in York, and I kind of rediscovered the importance of your mates that you've grew up with. And Definitely, I think, yeah. You know, I, I used to go out drinking like every year in Grimsby with my dad and his mates around Christmas, and they got back together and instantly they kind of clicked again. And I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of. I think the moral of the story really was you keep your mates close to you because you never know when they're going to go. You know, like, I agree. Yeah, I think it's. I've been having those thoughts lately as well. Like yeah. I've probably got. <sighs> 
I, I, like outside of my main social circle, a lot of friends still, mm. but that like main core group that you grew up with yeah. and you played Xbox with yeah. for hours on end till yeah. three in the morning. Yeah. I've probably got, I've got one that I speak to often and then another one that I could speak to if I wanted to, yeah. but don't really speak. And it's just so disappointing because you mm. think no matter, like even if you go on to earn billions in the future and get like world renowned success, that's the core outside of your family that's the core group that will still yeah. be like that's that geeky little kid we grew up with who was into Call of Duty and I think it's quite refreshing to yeah. be able to revisit that yeah. you know otherwise you surround yourself with agents and you know yeah, yeah. people of a higher level and yeah, you're yeah. rubbing shoulders with yeah. top professionals yeah. it's quite it's nice, nice to be I think you've got to get the mix right yeah I think cause you, you, know, you do I have to I'm terrible at it I really am I need to do better at it it's surrounding myself with people that think like me Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather be with my mates. Not that they don't think. Not, you know, I'm not slagging them off at all. But like, in, some of them are doctors. Some of them are firemen, coppers. Some are still at uni. They're great. They're the best mates. But it's like they don't. They don't know my journey. Yeah. You're know, like they don't. You know. A. They don't make films. And it's like it can be very lonely at times. Like film directing. It's like yeah. You get you, know, you, you mess about for two years doing a script, getting the money in. And then you get six, eight weeks on set, and then you got post, which is so it's like you know you have like six, eight weeks of intense like just adrenaline, and it's great. That's what you do it for. And then you like in post for another year, and it's just like it's a people job, but yeah, there's lots of where it's just you and you know you and a producer, you know whatever the, the team is. And it's just like do you ever feel pressured in those moments when it might take like you tell everybody you're doing a film yeah I don't know if you do yeah maybe you've learned to just say yeah. like, I'm no, doing something yeah. stay quiet well, but we were supposed to shoot Three Day Millionaire in August and we got yeah. very close and we got the last bit of talent the last actor that we needed you know and that was pre-approved by the people that were going to finance it and then they pulled out it's just like you know you've but then you know, me and the main actors have got quite good mates like we've been on camping trips and stuff and go out in Soho and it's like you feel like you're letting your side down like you know I'm a director I shouldn't be responsible for the money but I have to be at this level um, you know, you're not going to attract a producer that's done 10 hundred million dollar movies and can raise money instantly yeah you know. so yeah you know it's a bit hard but that's all you care about really like I'm lucky because I've done one young realistically I can take 10 years to do the next one and I'm still probably head Tarantino like, just do 10 yeah, I said after the first one, I only wanted to do three. Oh, really? Stressful, man. And then what? Would but then I have, like, else, I have a couple of months off, like, and you want to just be back. Want to go again, yeah. again? Yeah, but like, I've, I've had a new lease of life on it. Like, I put all my eggs in that one basket in 2019, really. Like, and we got close, and now we've got you know a few more people on the team, and we're a lot closer than we've ever been. Um, but I, you know from. August till November, it was you know we were pushing it back two or three weeks at a time. You know, we had various spinning plates for money, and it meant I basically couldn't work for four months doing anything else because I was kind of on standby to move up to Grimsby and shoot the film in like two or three weeks. And we'd done mm. all the pre pre production, all the locations are there, I'd done all my homework and storyboards and script analysis and all that. So just kind of waiting, and then like, I had to just you know, as soon as I got the agents, really it clicked me into like right, you know, you've still got that going on. But you know, have four or five other projects getting written or in development, or you know, and then TV opened up. You know, the agent sat down and said, you know, doing your indie films is good. Um, you know, there's open director assignments that we'll put you up for as well. But the easiest thing for us to get made is, especially in your comedy world, is TV pilots. So go find some material, write something, whatever, and um, 
we'll try and get it made for you. How do you handle the kind of like downtime? So you might have a massive, like right now, I feel like you're building to get this film done. Yeah. Once it's done, you know, big party, you put it out there, yeah. you feel great about yourself, massive success, great achievement. Then maybe like two, three months well, that, of doing that's not nothing. That's the like, downtime is. The downtime's, no? the downtime's after you've shot it and before it's released. Oh, okay. So like when, when it's been released and being released and it's done in stages, like with Dewsbury, we had such a limited marketing budget, we basically did it all in one. So we did like, it was in cinemas for six weeks and then it came out on everything else just six weeks later. Usually it's like six months later, mm. but we basically didn't have two marketing budgets. So, you know, we just did a month of marketing. It's in cinemas and then just switched the adverts to it's on DVD and online and Prime and whatever else it was. Um, but yeah, usually, you know, it's six months later, you know, before it comes out on anything else. And it's, yeah, it's just a bit, you know, I, I struggled after we did Jewsbury. I went from, you know, like the biggest high of my life making that film. Like, it was absolutely mad. Stressful as hell. We came under budget by 35 quid. <laughs> and it's like, when you're at that level, especially, there's no like magic money man on the phone. You can't get more money in. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, and I, I was just directing it. I was a producer, but on the first day of rehearsals, I stopped being a producer and just had to just do my directing. And putting all that trust in someone else. Kate was awesome, the producer, the unbelievable best producer for a rage in the country, without a doubt. Solid, like amazing. Um, but it was scary putting your training. It's not just your, it's not your film. It's not just your career. It's your entire identity. You know, it's like especially your first one. Yeah, you mess that one up. Or yeah. that, you know, it's, it's you're not, not going to get the funding for the next one. Yeah, it's another and two it's, hot tub companies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's we still don't know how well it's done financially. We yeah. still got no idea. So when did you find out? So, well, January soon any day oh. um, you know it will so like UK film has a thing called SEIS Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme all run by the government it basically means if someone puts 100 grand into your film they get 50 grand back off the tax bill Okay. So it essentially means your film's got to make half its budget to get your investors in profit there's another thing like that as well I think it might be the same scheme but under a different name is anybody who invests because I've, I've got that finance background it was yeah. anyth- any anybody who invests in a small yeah. business yeah, yes. I think it was the small enterprise scheme yeah. is that the same thing yeah yeah, exactly. yeah and then they get the profit back yeah. in the next yeah. annual year yeah, or something, something like that. yeah um, so that, that encourages was, investment in young it's a great yeah, idea yeah, we did the mini, didn't know they did the mini golf for money we got another 50 grand raised um, and yeah that was uh, that was all SEIS and so yeah, you know, basically as long you know we were just smart the whole business case Apart from the business case, was look, you know, the course itself is costing us thirty-five grand. So even if it all goes to rubbish, sell that, and you're still up. Mm. You know, so you got twenty-five grand back off government. You watch how many people are going to go and search that scheme after this. Just, <laughs> yeah. just start businesses. The amount of filmmakers that have no idea about it. Mm-hmm. Criminal. It's unbelievable. It's like I get kids all the time on Instagram. Like, can we meet for coffee? It's like, yeah, sure. And then they haven't got a clue about any. It's like they studied film for like three years at uni. Yeah. It's like, why aren't they getting told this? Mm-hmm. How on earth are you going to raise money without that? You find that at school, right? Somebody will sit you down. T- it doesn't matter what subject it is. They'll teach you about 95% of crap that you will not need in a practical sense. Yeah. And then you do two weeks in the field. And you're yeah. like, fuck. Yeah. I've just wasted three years yeah. and a little bit of debt. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So I, I'm so against school, the uni system, everything. I th- yeah. I, uh, it's, especially for creative kids. Like, yeah. I had yeah, a great yeah. time at school, but what school did bad was not really tell me any other option apart from university. It was like, university or you're a failure. And I went to uni, I made the choice to, 
but everyone in the industry was saying don't bother and everyone outside was saying go and I was never not going to go because I wanted to go party yeah and I needed to get out of this <laughs> how long did you stay because for a year for a so year I, I thought you one. just did freshers and then just went fuck I it just did freshers <laughs> in the second year oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I wanted to do I wanted to be one of them so when we joined we had like they called them like a stick second and third year contact um, and you basically just got to party you had like a flat of freshers and you just like showed them around town and got to party and do freshers again basically yeah so I did that and then packed in come party with the big man big uh, yeah, I had a big <laughs> argument with the head of the year I was the head of course he, he, I mean, I still remember what he said. I, I still think it's terrible. Um, I went in and said, "Look, I'm thinking of leaving. I want to go make this movie." You know, I had this mad experience with his director, blah, blah. and he said, oh, "Jack, I had a friend that made a film really young once. He never made one again." Yeah, yeah. Like, Are you absolute. When when I was young, I was starting my first business. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a personal training business, but I was mm-hmm. doing like body weight training. I thought it'd be a bit different in the mm-hmm. area. And when I said to the guy who, because I I was like. 18 i was supposed to go to uni me and my mum we couldn't afford it so yeah. i was like fuck it i'll just you know i'll go down to the dole office see if there's any jobs i'll take the first thing i see yeah. and uh i was like do you know what within like two three weeks i was like, i'm an entrepreneur so yeah. i just like started writing all these ideas down i was like yeah. that's the one i want to go with i love fitness yeah so i told the like mentor guy whatever it was and he's like oh do you know that 90 percent of businesses fail in their first year if i was you i wouldn't even bother I was like, what the fuck is this? It's just like customer service. Like, I yeah, paid yeah. this mug nine grand of my money to be at uni and learn absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing I didn't know already or could learn on YouTube. That, that's the thing. With Google and like YouTube, it's changed again. Learn by doing it. Audio books. Yeah, all of that. And just the rudeness. It's like, I really hate people that punish intuition and are rude. And they, you know, it sounds like you're the same thing, like simultaneously doing both. To, well, two right. things. To expect you're going to fail off the bat mm. and to expect the... Or sorry, to match you with his friend to just yeah. assume that you're the same two people yeah I mean, what sort rude. of like twisted individual do you have to be to like give a ambitious kid that wants to go do something cool that advice yeah. like, what goes through your head even if like just lie to me and say yeah you can go do that Jack. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not going to affect you any other kid on that course would have then not gone and made that film yeah like, I guarantee you uh, that's would... the sad thing like how many people have yeah. been stopped from being a oh, superstar yeah. if you imagine like how good the world would be scientifically and creatively if everyone just had my self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And like, I think like, it's such a shame. And like, got rid of religion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just got very lucky. I had someone that gave me like, basically just a bolt of confidence at a young age. And then you start proving to yourself that you can do anything. I think my A-levels, I proved to myself that I hated them. Like, I hated like, it was all, I loved it because school was fun. Um, but the way that they assessed you was just fundamentally stupid. It was a memory test. Yeah, so it's psychology it and sociology and media studies. Ironically, got the B in media studies. Yeah. <laughs> Shock. Yeah. Uh, and I got two A stars in the other two. Oh, but really? all it was, it was just, all you had to do, you just had to re- remember a load of quotes and studies and stuff. And then you, you were asked basically one of ten questions and just had to rehash it on an essay. I was smart enough that my media teacher once said to me, Jack, you've got really rubbish handwriting. Maybe you should go to like the special office and they might give you a laptop for like <laughs> your exams yeah so I did I walked down and they were like oh you're going to have to do this handwriting test I'm right handed so I did it with my left hand got that's a good idea yeah got yeah. there for 20 minutes I would have done t- it with my toes exactly. to get that laptop for like twice the speed basically cheated through my A-levels and then got into York <laughs> Uni but I kind of basically I was like if I can do that and I hated that this is something I actually want to do mm-hmm. but I'm going to have tenfold the energy to do yeah. that like, of course you could do it 
It's a massive difference maker, isn't it? When you actually want to do something, oh, like yeah. you could, like when top level people are like get up at five in the morning, mm. stay up till when you actually do something you love. Yeah, it's so easy to get out of bed. Yeah, mate. I think it's just like my big thing at the minute is just staying focused. That's why I'm doing dry jam, just because like yeah, don't get distracted. I'm knocked out if I'm hungover two days. Don't feel right. What is it that's kind of not stopping you? Because obviously you're doing a lot of stuff. But what is it that's kind of like pulling the reins? I think I did three months every year sober. I say every year, I did it last year. Um, and you just get so much more done. Like, and it's like, right, I've got this opportunity now, the agents, and we've got so much stuff brimming, and you know, we've got lots of stuff being written and in various stages of development. And it's like, that gives me far more joy than anything else. Just focus on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and going back to your point earlier about should you be doing all this business stuff or just focus on film, it's like, Financially, I have to do the business stuff. You know, so it's not really a choice I have at the minute. Um, you know, I didn't get paid for the first movie. I will get paid for the second one. But it's yeah. Like, you know, wait, you know, got to wait till that money drops. It's a good way uh, to do it, though. So yeah, you know, but yeah, I, it's always an internal battle. Should I be doing this? You know, or should I just be focused on my films? There's films I want to do, and I'm very open to all my business partners. You know, films always number one. I just like coming up with the idea, setting up the company, getting the money in. And then, you know, my business partners do all the day-to-day running of it. You know, I wouldn't be able to do any of it otherwise. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, I think I will just do film at some point when I can afford to. <laughs> yeah, the, the power of free is so important, What's that? I think. To do your, like, first film and not pay yourself. Mm. And then, like, maybe even do, like, the first two or three. Like, obviously, I'm not telling you what to do, but I just think anybody who does that at the start of their career, like with First Man, I'm going to keep it free for as mm. long as possible. And I, I might charge brands and stuff like that. Yeah. But in terms of the audience, I never want to charge them anything yeah. until I create products and yeah. go, okay, look, come and, you know, yeah. if, if you find them useful, go and buy them. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, well, I mean, the first one is 150 grand budget. Mm-hmm. What are you going to pay yourself? Five grand? So. <laughs> Not even worth. Might as well throw it shooting. in. Yeah, like, and considering thirty-five quid was left over, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you could have took that again. We didn't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, they'd still tax you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second one, one point two mil budget. There is room for wage. Yeah. So we are going to do it. It's about time. You know, we've been doing mm-hmm. ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, ten years. Mm-hmm. Started when I was thirteen. Wow. Yeah. What did you do first? I did the first one. I did. I was talking about this the other day. I did a uh, unofficial, obviously, uh, music video to Kasabian Fire. Yeah, I'm on fire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in my mum's kitchen, you had a tripod like that, but it could shoot the camera down. That was a top one. And I did like a stop motion animation where I just lit a load of candles, put them in a funny shape, took a picture, moved it, repeated for like three minutes worth of content. Yeah. I don't know why my mum was letting me first play with candles <laughs> in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah. Um, but that was my first ever thing I did. And then, yeah, then I just did one like at least once a month, I'd shoot something. Like if not probably more there was times where I was doing one every weekend and I just learned the craft a bit but I've never I've never been big on watching films mm. weird like a lot of directors come in as like cinephiles they just love cinema they say that's where they get their inspiration from like yeah. read a lot of books I can't remember who whose book I read it was some director and they said that just read a lot of books in order to become a good director yeah I read I read lots of director books best about what I'm very uncultured <laughs> yeah what I do <laughs> I love music I love sport. I'm getting into art. I did a poem. Have you seen the poem advert thing? I didn't see the poem, no. Yeah. Oh, wait, in the guy, email. the spoken word yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so did I, see that. He's that. in the film, too. He's in the film, yeah. yeah. 
He's the lead in the next film, though. Yeah, he was the guy with uh, cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you in the film? I was. Yeah, right. Would you, uh, based on the smile on your face, were you the guy? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm going to say, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was getting bummed. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Was I was going to say gimp mask, but yeah, getting bummed is a bit. Kill Bill suit. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one. Was I said doing. to my missus, I was like, I think <laughs> yeah, that's Jack. That was me. I, um, You're also in the film in another sense. Where am I? Your name's written on the board as detention. Yes, Just it is. Jackass, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is. Yeah, Jackass. Um, yeah, that's good. You did watch Easter it. Easter eggs. You did for watch, a mar- yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a Marvel fan, so I'm like <laughs> able to spot shit. I like that, yeah. And funnily enough, there's a Spider-Man poster just after I saw that, and I was like, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Is there an end credit scene? I watched right to the end. I was like skipping through, there and I was were, like, I'm um, gonna find this. There was an end credit, one, wasn't there? Where he's um. I must have missed it because I was skipping every ten seconds. I must have no, missed yeah, it. No, there was, there was a little one. Oh, we got a very good one in. Freedom Millionaire, the next film. There's a beautiful end. What's that going to be about, the whole film? What's the concept? It sounds really interesting. It's really cool. So fishermen... So Grimsby used to be Europe's largest fishing port. Yeah. Um, Fishermen used to go to sea for like 21, 28 days, and then they'd come back to land for three days. And if they were young, single fishermen, it was fishermen folklore that if you went back to sea with money, your ship would sink. So essentially, they had three days to spunk a month for wages. Oh, wow. And they'd all come back. This is all true. They'd all come back, get pinstripe suits made every time they come back, take a load of pills... You've introduced all the girls that work in the fish factory. You've got this big kind of this is England esque social group, and they go on a massive three day bender. One of the guys gets one of the girls up at Duff, and they've, they've you know they all spunk their money basically. Um, and then they get the call on the Sunday saying the fishing industry has collapsed. You're not going back to sea, uh. and they've all spent all their money, and they've all got various reasons why they need money. Yeah. And then it all gets a bit uh, yeah, dramatic from there. Troublesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's cool. It's really good. Really, Wolf of really Wall good. Street in Grimsby. Yeah, it's a similar <laughs> feel. Um, I got sent the script. I had nothing to do writing it. Right, I called Paul from Hull. Yeah, you've got, to, you've got to do that. Yeah. If, I, if I had that come through, I'd do I said it. I'd do it if we said it in Grimsby. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I put, I literally put, uh, so we, why did I do it? So we, we had a film called The Tour that we were working a little bit with Sony with. So I... I was in a band and we did this three month kind of botched tour across America and we bought this van. I had a manager in LA at that point and at the end of uh, that trip I went to see him and he set me up a meeting with Sony. And so I have these studio execs that we go out for lunch with and I'm telling them you know, why I'm in the US and that we've got this van. Um, we bought the van in Queens uh, in New York off a guy that looked a lot like Denzel Washington. So I had a huge Denzel Washington face sticker on the side. Yeah. Uh, and anyway they were like this van, I tell them some of the stories from the trip and they were like, go away, put this into a script. Sounds commercially very doable. Um, and so we were working on that for a bit. And I then went to, so I used to be in like the York Filmmakers meetup thing when I was in York. And once a month we'd go for like tea and like someone would come and speak and stuff. And I was up in York a year and a half ago um, and went to this thing and I just, you know, all these kids like scrambling about, like raising like two or three grand on like crowdfunder. I was like, I can't just, you know, I've got to go do something more. So I was, so I was like, I'm going to literally put something out on Facebook. It was supposed to be like a 250k budget. Like we had an investor who was interested in just doing a 250k budget one, but I said no because we'd done Jewsby at 150, and the one we were doing with Sony was going to be like four or five mil. So I was like, and it's not enough of a step up. And then I see all these kids like scrambling around for like a couple of grand. I'm like, oh, I've got to ring the investor up and say, actually, interested. Um, put, you know, but I didn't want to use any of my script ideas on a budget that small. So I put this thing out on Facebook saying, 
I need some scripts, send them to me. And you know, 99% of them were rubbish. Mm-hmm. Like coming of age, bollocks. Did you get that a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do. Um, but then with this one, this three them in there, just class, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally like the Wolf of Wall Street of North East Lincolnshire. It's really clever, yeah. Really good, really There's really a similar good. film to that, isn't there? It was, um, what's that shipwreck film? Is it called Shipwreck? Yeah, I think so. With, yeah, who's in it? Isn't it George Clooney? Those sort of guys. Yeah. They live near, is it, is it Gloucester? There's a port, isn't there, called Gloucester in like America or Canada? Yeah. And they're all like getting pissed up at the bar and the whole life is just around going out on the boat, coming back, yeah. getting pissed up for like a week and then they've got to go back again. It's mad. And they use all their money because they're like, what the fuck am I going to spend it on yeah. on the boat? Yeah, it's mad. It's great setup for drama and yeah, comedy. Yeah. You know, and, but it's a really good script. It's, it's, it's not as um, deliberately laugh out loud to trying to be funny as Dewsbury. It's a lot more kind of subtle. Um, yeah. A little bit like this. You know, it's very feels similar to this is England you know it doesn't get quite as dark at the end but mm-hmm. it's dra- more drama than comedy whereas we've got another couple of little bits in development that are back to more comedy bits of TV which is exciting what's that going to be? so it's called Life in Non-League okay. it's all about volunteers <laughs> in non-league football grounds yeah and like you know, you've got the penny pinching chairman the big woman that works in the burger van the super anal steward in his high vis the guy on the you know the uh, the gate selling Amazon Fire Sticks, you know, like all the, all the this, vegan owner. Yeah, all this mad, like mad stuff. And having been a Grimsby fan in that world for five years, yeah, um, you know, I know that world inside out. And I found these kids on Twitter, so I met with independent agents, and um, they said, "Get you know, go away, bring us some uh, like TV stuff that we can get piloted." And the very same day, someone Grimsby fan tagged me in it. He was like, "You like this?" And the kids had like fifty thousand hits on this zero budget. They've just made this like two minute trailer just with the anal steward character. Uh, and it's great when people do that. Yeah, there was the Fresh Prince one recently, wasn't there? Where somebody made like a, a much darker film about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Really? And Will Smith, it, he got tagged in it like a million times. So right. we just, you know, straight away contacted these kids and was like, let's, let's do something. Really? That's yeah, cool. so I think that's probably going to be coming out soon. It's class. Yeah, but the, you know, these kids made it, they went off, you know, off their own backs and just made it and, you know, just did mm-hmm. it and caught my attention. That's all I had to do, really. Like find a director that liked it, that was repped, and then you can get it made properly. Um, and yeah, the two lads are great. You know, they've spent they're both non-league football players, and they know that world inside out. Mm-hmm. One of them is a comedian as well. Um, yeah, they just know you know it's class, really good. But very, very. There's a reason people give up so much of their life as volunteers. You know, like usually quite sad, but it's very you know the, the thing's wonderfully human as well as very funny. And you know, it doesn't take the mick out of non-league too much. Mm. You know, I'm picturing like a Mike Bassett, England manager kind of vibe. There's bits of that, yeah. We, so we don't focus on the players at all. The players are boring. Yeah, you know, they're all, we're boring. Um, they've been done before. They've been done before badly. Ours is, you know, virtually everything off the pitch. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's just cool. It's really good. And then you know, there's other bits we're writing this one at the minute, um, all about the world's worst tele-shopping channel. <laughs> like, there's all these characters there as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we've got, they're all in development. and then That's very Ricky Gervais, would you say? Yeah, well, we wanted to make something, so with, with that, the point that I'm at in my career, I'm young enough where I could still pull favours um, and old enough where I've got the agents and we can actually get stuff made. Kind of through traditional means rather than me going after to raise money. Um, so, I basically, this only happened like, 
two or three weeks ago and was like right you know rather than me just give the agents a two or three pager like they get from all their other clients and you know that is passed on to production companies why don't I just say you know I've got the people that we can shoot a professional pilot for nothing you've got all the people there we all take an equal stake in it financially everyone you know and then you know that you use them guys when the series gets commissioned do two or three days shooting in one location we knew that we had a studio that looked like a tele shopping channel that we could use for free um, so yeah we just sat down went to Hull met the guys writing it um, which kind of worked out this was cool let's do it you know I've done it before it's cool there's a whole world there of like fun funny stuff mm-hmm. and um yeah, we were just like, all right, so, you know, so we're writing it, and then hopefully end of Jan, early Feb, we'll shoot it, we'll just put it through post, and then I'll turn up smiley-faced on the agent's door and say, right, go get this made for us. Ready to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so thinking outside the box a bit, you know, don't do like you, waiting for stuff. Do you think that organic stuff is like kind of the way to go? So so many people are always like, how do I start? Especially like, that's what I want to do with this audience a lot. It's like trying yeah. to help them go from zero to one. Yeah. Like for it to have nothing to having something, even if it's like the smallest possible product. Yeah. Um, I know you're a big advocate of like just do, just yeah. get started, just do the like the shittiest version you can yeah. and just grow as you as you go on. Yeah. Um I think so many people think that it's like laid out in front of them step by step. So you're gonna go from A to B to C yeah. to D and you're gonna find success at E. No. But um, do you think it. most of it happens just organically from just trying and just yeah. testing? You gotta understand none of us, especially in this industry have any fucking clue how we're going to get there. Uh, we've got no yeah. idea. All right, we're winging it. We just come up with an idea and if you've got the balls to go make it, you'll make it and that's how you succeed. Right? You only get work off of work you know, off of doing good work. And you don't just, you, don't, you know, you can go to all the networking things and talk about film. It doesn't, you're never going to get a job from it. You're never going to do anything. You, know, make, you just go and make it. Right? And it's going to be rubbish the first time. Of course it is. You know, it's like yeah. I said earlier, it's like, Picking up a guitar for the first time and expecting to sell out Wembley, not going to happen. But you practice it, and the more you do it, the better you're going to get. You know, and then you'll meet people that can help you make it happen just by doing. You know, like when I started, I was doing everything. I was writing the score, I was editing it, writing it, holding the camera, doing the sound. And then you know, you get people messaging you like, oh, you know, if you need someone to do the score on your next one, let me know, and you know, they're going to be a lot better at it than you are. So, Agreed, yeah. You know, and as a director, aren't really you get a credit for the whole thing anyway? So it's mm-hmm. like you may as well utilize other people's talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and but you just go and do it. Like so many people just talk and like they'll talk about film and they'll criticise film and they'll write films but you know, if you've just got a script it's great, but unless you actually go make it, you're just another one of a million kids that've got a script in their drawer that never gets seen. Like yeah. don't expect someone to make it. Like how I mean, just think about it logically, how on earth as a writer who's got no professional credits are you gonna attract a professional to go and make your script? got to do it yourself how am I going to attract a producer that can raise money for me I'm not I've got to do it myself still you know like you just go do it and then shoot write something that you know you can make on their money put a load of favours people will do you favours because ultimately they want to make films as well you just go make one right? to me in my head it's just common sense like, I don't know why other people think any differently I can't work it out but you should think like me yeah, if we get shit done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, agreed. Yeah, and it's not you know there's there's an awful lot I don't know. I mean, I'm not naive. I'm 23. I'm a kid. There's lots I don't know, and there's lots I can get better at. And I just, but I just my drive is to get better at it quick. You know, just get, make stuff, shoot stuff, do as much as I can. I didn't shoot enough in 2019 because I was 
everything was in development. It's frustrating, boring. 2020, we've done all that boring work, and there's four or five projects that can vi- you know, viably shoot in 2020, and I want to do them all. It's like, do you ever feel like just grabbing a camera on your kind of off days when there's nothing going on and just saying, fuck it, let's go outside and just do use, something? I can't use a camera. Just no? Just it sounds. I don't know what the button I thought you were kidding earlier. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my job, is it? Everyone thinks it's like, not. It makes sense, everyone yeah. Everyone thinks you're a director. It's like, you know, you give a camera guy some sound equipment, he won't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. It's not my job. Um, I'm useless at the sound stuff. Yeah. I, I panic like fuck setting these up because yeah, I'm like, well, what I if it goes wrong? Or? Yeah, I haven't like, actually shot anything in a long, long time. You know, like, it's, I'm not, you know, I know people that are better at it than me. I'll just focus on my part of the filmmaking process. Do How do you realise you're good at directing then? Because I imagine most people pick up a camera and have a little go or watch films and go, I could do that. Yeah. But if um, you're not using the cameras, yeah. how did you think, I could do that? Um, I think I... So when you start off, you're doing everything. And then the one thing you find other people aren't doing is directing. Because you're not brave enough. Mm-hmm. You're scared. You're scared of the flack. And they'll get on Facebook and give it shit. I wasn't. You know, I'd, and I always... I'd make stuff that was always my idea. Even though I don't write dialogue, everything I do, apart from Three Day Millionaire, has been my idea. And then I'll utilise someone else's talent in writing the dialogue or writing the, getting the narrative tight. And so I think it, it was just a case of people started messaging like, ah, oh, you know, I've got this really cool camera, let me shoot it for you. I've got all, you know, I know how to use sound stuff, let me do that for you. And the thing that was left was directing. And I kind of worked out that was the bit I enjoyed most anyway. You know, I wouldn't want to be a sound guy. It's boring. I wouldn't want to be a camera guy. Boring. What is it about the directing? Because I'm, I'm the same as you. Humans. Yeah. Emotion. People. I don't know. I don't care about aperture. I don't know what the word means. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what lens... You know, I do care about lens, lenses. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, I, you know, I don't care. We'll just crack a nifty 50 on there where you lux. go. Lux. What is lux? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I... You know, I work with directors of photography that are emotionally intelligent enough um, to understand what I'm trying to do with a scene, and thus for you know, pick the right. You know, and I look at it, and if it's looking wrong, I'll tell them. And if it's looking right, great. You know, and nine times out of ten, they've created a better frame than I ever could. You know, and it's all about lights, really. Right, and camera. I met a guy in Toronto called Director X. Uh-huh. You probably know him. He's done a lot of like Drake videos and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> he was very much like that. Well, when he's on set, he's just like, I need this shot to happen. Yeah. And uh, other people, like, make that happen for him. Yeah. And he was saying, like, I've picked it up over time. He was like, but when I started, I just said, this is what I want. Yeah. You're my right-hand guy. Make it happen. It's all about working out how to communicate with everyone on set. You know, like, there's a way you speak to it. You can't just be like, all right, actors feel sad. That doesn't work. That's not a playable direction. You have to learn. And that's where you read lots of books and learning the language of, you know, the process of script analysis and breaking a script down and... You know, essentially, it comes down to intentions. So, like every human, whenever they, whenever they speak to another human, has an intention. Like my intention right now is to get you to understand. How do I know you're understanding? You're nodding. Like it all becomes a physical intention. So, if I'm directing me right now, I'd say, Jack, you know, get Chris to nod. That's my intention. That's how you're going to play the scene. You know, like you just be smart about it because that's something I know that I've achieved it or not. Yeah. You know, and I, work, I know how to work that. You know, I know what to do in my face to get you to do that. You know, it's all like breaking shit like that down whereas like cameras you don't get that it's science isn't it yeah like, it's a science you, than. it doesn't really change does it if, if you get that shot once you know how to do it again yeah 
you know, you just and I, I'm and a visual director. I have a clear idea of how I want everything to look. I read a script. If it's a good script, I know exactly how I'm going to shoot it the first time I read it. But when we, I do all my homework with a DOP, I draw the entire thing out. You know, if, if we're doing this scene now, rather than just camera there, camera there, camera there, drawing it three times, I'll draw out every line of dialogue, you know, back and forth, even though it's the exact same drawing. It just, like, gets me warm to the material. Um, yeah, and then I spend six, eight weeks doing a script analysis where you break everything down, you know, intentions and wins and losses and the emotional events and the same physical events, you know, how it relates to my life, how it might relate to their life. All sorts, yeah. yeah. Do, they do like a big four or five page report on every scene and do my notes on it and that's what I love doing. And then two weeks rehearsal before any movie. Uh, the producers hate me because it costs so much money. What does that grand. involve? Uh, we all live in a house together and we basically go through it scene by scene. You know, and then okay. by the time you're on set, all you, all, you, all you do there is making emotional decisions. You know, so I will go through the script and work out, okay, this, this line means this. You're going to make this character feel like this. Do you agree? And you know, I, the, the actors have all gone away and done their script analysis. Uh, and we talk about it. And, you know, if the actor feels very differently to me, then we let the act, you know, actor go what with, you know, they're playing it. They've got to feel that decision. You know, sometimes they come up with something that's far more interesting than what I've done. And you want that from your actors. It's not just me telling them, do this. You, you kind of engage with each other and you you bond and you know you talk about personal stuff you know, that gets the kind of best out of them you know if we're talking the scene about I don't know where someone has been betrayed we'll talk about how we've been betrayed in our lives and when we've betrayed other people and how that's made us feel and mm. how that's relevant to this scene so it's, it's a lot of conversation and then by the time you're on set all your decisions have been made all it is is just, you know, usually my direction on set is faster or slower or more energy and yeah. that's it yeah, you know, you've done it. you've done all your work by then, really. Do you think you like emotional intelligence? Do you think that's like your best trait? Do you yeah. really understand people? Yeah, it's not something I've studied. Apart yeah, from, it's like, natural skill. Of, like, yeah, like, yeah, it is, and I don't know where it came from really. Um, I think it was just it's just kind of intuition. Like, I've always been good at like, I knew when a teacher was getting pissed off at me, and I'd stop winding them up. Mm-hmm. Just before they kicked me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, I always knew, I could always like get myself out of situations at school just because I knew what was going on when I shouldn't have been. You know, I knew like, like, I knew there was conversations going on with a head teacher and a teacher about me. <coughs> I just knew, I don't know why. Yeah. You know, just people you can tell from, yeah. yeah. I've always been smart at that and like, yeah, when something's going on and when something's wrong, I can, you know, something's wrong with someone, I know straight away. I said, well, you know, be honest, what's wrong? Um, you get that from smoking weed as well. Things like mushrooms, weed. I feel like after yeah. you've done it, you see people differently. You can uh, yeah. start, you, you become a little bit more relaxed in your own mind and you can look at people and go, oh, you've got, there's something off about you. Yeah, I've never done psychedelics. Yeah. People say that you should do it, but, and that it changes your mindset. And I haven't done them because I don't want my mind. I like my mindset. It's what it's, makes me it different. It depends, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're happy where you're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's what makes me different. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've never. never I was always aggressive growing up. Everything was attacked with aggression. I worked better when I had haters. I do. People doubting me and I like go harder. And I was saying to my missus yesterday, when there's no resistance, like this is set up, camera's here, Mm. we have the space here. I'm like, there's nothing blocking me anymore. Mm. And I'm a little frustrated and anxious. Yeah. Because I'm like, I need something to push against. I said it was, the the example I used, it was was like bench pressing with no weights either side. It was just the bar and I was like, this is too easy. Yeah. Something has to go wrong soon. Yeah. 
It's me. And I don't know if I like that. I don't. I mean, A-level, like, teacher said I'd get two Bs and a C, and I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> A-star um, uni. Yeah. And then, yeah, I get, I think I have, like, a self, a self tick that, like, I get annoyed at myself if I haven't done anything in, like, like even, like, for a day, if I don't work or, like, achieve stuff. So yeah. Just winds me up. It's like I've got to go and do something. Got to do something productive. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm packing in the booze. That's why you're here. Yeah, two days of hangovers. I've la- I've asked a lot of people to do stuff in the past. I tell you, I tell you who's going to die off soon is influencers, especially on Instagram, because I've I've asked a lot of um, the guys aren't too bad. Like I had Justin St. Paul and Chez Rust do projects with me. Uh-huh. Four hundred thousand followers each or above. I don't know what's changed now, but back then like three four hundred thousand. Straight away, I'll do it for free. Yeah, it's, they just wanted content. You know, yeah. they wanted to put it out there. That's why they're successful. But you get a lot of these like women, the female influencers. They're going to die off so quickly. Yeah. Because if I said to them, I contact them and I say, "Do you want to come on, do a podcast, have a little chat?" Everybody looks at you because you're hot. Let's get inside your mind. Yeah. Maybe bridge out to YouTube. Prove yeah. to people that you're more than just a face. Yeah. I, I won't phrase it like that. It's probably why they wouldn't come on, right? <laughs> you know. But in that yeah. kind of mindset, and a lot of them just they don't even get back to you because they think they're up here and they uh, see that maybe my YouTube has 10,000 subscribers right now. But if they did a little bit of digging, they'd realize that the videos when it was MSI College used to get a quarter of a million and above. And I personally think the work rate I'm putting in now is going to return to that at record speed. Maybe like three to five months or something. And you know, this video here might start off with a thousand views in the first three months. Then as the brand goes... You know, when I might, won my Oscar, we, yeah, we <laughs> go, yeah. and we we come back to it in I don't know three years time, and it's had like four hundred thousand views, yeah. And all those people have bought your latest film. Yeah. You know, they're followers of First yeah. Man, and we've both benefited yeah. from the tiniest, you know, effort. It's the, it's the B-list celebrities that are a nightmare. Yeah, the ones that aren't they haven't, like all the ones that I've met that are like top A-list celebs, lovely because they're comfortable <laughs> with where they are. Yeah, it's the ones that haven't quite got to the point that they want to where they are outwardly um, they want you to treat them like they're that league above so that it makes them feel comfortable I get that though yeah, I get that they're, they're the nightmare ones I get they're it ones, they're on like towie and stuff yeah no, they're not even like no it's not no even a celebrity like, yeah, yeah. Like, you're just a face yeah with an accent I've never understood that either like them kind of lot like, they get like famous without having a skill yeah like it's like it's vacuous like, then they get brainwashed they think that they're famous for a reason yeah, and that's which not I their find fault strange. it's everyone else brainwashing them yeah it's not their fault they're the victim in it you know because they'll <clears throat> they'll have all this hype and then if they're not actually good at anything why would the hype stay yeah why like you don't you know if you make films or you do music you're always going to have like a trail of stuff a body you're, of work or stuff. something yeah. you're doing next yeah whereas like if you're just famous because you've been on one of these telly shows it's like saying that I'd love to do Big Brother would you really? <laughs> I love it. I think it'd be great fun. Just like being in a house for like two or three weeks and doing You've challenges all day. You've done it with all those people. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. Great. I think uh, I keep telling my press guard I want to do it and he's like, the day you do that, we're over. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to do it. I, I wouldn't want to do it. I, I think I'd get in a fight in the first week. 
Yeah. I'd see all the guys like being a little bit dramatic, you know, all this. Uh, the other thing as well, I really want to get Gaz from Geordie Shaw on this podcast because uh-huh. I think he was like the guy in the UK for a long, long I never time. Watched it. Oh, and mm-hmm. he always says like how scripted it was. Like now that he's come out, he speaks loudly, yeah. and he's like, "I was a puppet for like ten years. Fuck doing that again." Yeah. And now he's gone, family man, three kids, wife, yeah. you know, home in I guess Newcastle or somewhere. Yeah. Right? And I really want to get him on the podcast and be like, how bad is like how fake is it really? Because mm. I feel like he's the type to be like, four series, nothing was me. Yeah, you know, and I'd yeah. love to get him on bridge into that mind and just be like how glad are you that you're out of it yeah you know it's given him a massive career it's given yeah. him his money he's got what he's got because of it yeah but i want to really explore and be like how much of it is completely bullshit yeah it's more eastenders it. than it, is reality. <laughs> yeah. it should be changed from reality tv yeah. to just scripting i think like when people get famous that quickly from zero to a hundred it must mess their heads up yeah must proper mess them up at least in film like slowing it i've been doing it 10 years and i'm still nowhere near it's good though it's healthy yeah it is yeah because you you don't see film directors going in doing gear every night of the week and killing themselves at 27 I always piss and moan that you know the MSI college got deleted and I I always say to my missus where I could be where I could be and she's kind of like drummed it into me in the last year she's like but how much of a dick would you have been with money at 23, 24 you wouldn't have met her yeah well no I'm kidding (laughs) she'll watch this (laughs) Um, like yeah you know I would have been Mr. Lamborghini, yeah. different women. I would have been chasing probably like Instagram girls and stuff back when I was like twenty one, twenty two. And it's so it's so stupid. It's yeah. so hollow. Yeah, I don't want the grind to ever end. Mm-hmm. I do, but then I don't. That's, I fav- it, that's my favorite part. I yeah. want it to be easy, a lot easier, where I can come up with an idea, get it made, like in the big league, not just yeah. messing about with the camera with mates. Um, but I don't want it too easy. Because then I think you get lazy. You get lazy, you get yeah. Like, even now, like, it's a lot easier now than it ever was before. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you know, I'm not taking it for granted. You know, I'm just giving everyone all the content we possibly can all yeah. the time. But I was, I think after Dewsbury, I thought it would be a lot easier to get more films made. Because I thought, right, if I did it 150k at 18, I could do a million at 23 easy. It's like, you know, now my network of investors is so much bigger. You know, no people, you know, and I've got all these contacts and, oh, it's not been easy. <laughs> I, honestly, I fuck up with that on a mm. daily basis. Like, mm. I'd, or maybe not a daily basis, maybe monthly. I, I'll sit there and say, I'm doing, I don't know if you saw my video project with the Audi R8. You know, when you go on the website, it comes up, yeah, it's an R8. We yeah. did this big project. I must have dropped like three grand on the whole thing, came down to London and I was saying to everybody, because it was the restart for First Man. I was yeah. like, you watch this impact. I'm yeah. going to say fuck you to everybody. Yeah. Big project. Like three grand, not a big budget yeah. for five hours is pretty big though. right? Yeah. So I threw it in there, managed to hustle to get everybody there for free apart from the camera crew who I yeah. paid. The film farmers, if anybody's watching, they're unbelievable. Really good guys. Um, got the car for free, got a watch, got loads of Instagram pages to like sponsor it and provide yeah. like magazine there was one that did a magazine like millions of views off youtube for it and stuff i was absolutely buzzing i was like this is unbelievable and i was coming back in the car and i was talking to this like uber driver he was like you're going to be really successful can't wait to see you blow up in the next couple of years you're coming home thinking yep this is it like this one project is going to change everything you wake up the next day and you're like "Ooh, um didn't didn't get two billion views like i thought it would i'm not a millionaire yet do you know what i mean and it kind of and it'll be the same with this podcast. Like, I'm learning to do it. But you're like, hey, you build up to these big milestones and you do them and you go, ah, 
I have to do another 50, another mm. 100, another 200. Like it doesn't just the change climate. off one thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you have to love the process, the journey, yeah. the, the day by day stuff. We're on the path that we want to be, which is more than most other people. You know, like my mates, most of them probably earn more than I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've got their own buying houses and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I'd still rather be on my path. I get to do. I like wake up in the morning and love what you're I do. free. You're happy, and also so. you in twenty years' time, you're not fearing where you're going to be. Exactly. With I, I don't know them, but I know they sound similar to people I know. And you just think in twenty years' time, you know, a lot of people get to forty and have that epiphany and go, "Shit, yeah. I'm stuck in a rut. Yeah. I hate finance. Oh, I want to get the fuck out." Scares the hell out of me. Being married yeah. with dog and car and mortgage. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Not for me. I said that when I was young. I said that. <laughs> I said I want to stay away from all that, and then. Me and my missus get together and you find a dog, <laughs> you know, find a dog and we're in this place. Yeah. But it works, right, it, so. it works. Like, this was my biggest nightmare about four or five years ago. But like I said, what a woman. Like, yeah. She wants me, everything I say I want to do, she's like, yeah, go. Yeah. I'll go to my mum's so you Great. can do the podcast Great. for the day. And it's like, Great. wow. It's what you want, you want supportive people. My, yeah. my last few exes have not been. Overly it's hard, isn't it? Were they pretty? <laughs> were they really, really pretty? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were. <laughs> there's, there's something that happens I don't know whether it's Disney I don't know whether it's social media but I think and my, my miss is beautiful that's not what I'm saying but um, I think in this era so many girls that used to be average are now getting four or five hundred compliments per day because people can just get to them quick numbs you yeah we were getting and now they, they think the, they're yeah. better than what when they are when we did the film it's like you know, even at premiere it was like it's great it's like you get it's weird. You get numb to people being nice to you. Yeah, and no, it doesn't really feel like anything. A lot of actors and actresses trying to get a role. Or oh yeah, oh they're, <laughs> yeah. they're nightmares. Not going to go down. No, I love them, but like I get four or five a day on Instagram message. Like, can we go for a coffee? Can we have a chat? And it's like this. Sometimes it's quite malicious. Like I feel like yeah. I've been taken for a ride because it's like, oh, can I get some advice? And it's like, yeah, I'll always go and meet them. And then it's just like. You're not asking questions or you're not listening. You're just telling me to hire you. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Then, what I do is, you know, that's what you'll get, right? Yeah. That, that's fantastic oh, yeah, what yeah. you said, but here's yeah, my resume. And no one listens to anything I say. Yeah. Uh, the amount of kids I've met for like a drink and I just say, you've got to go make stuff. I say it to actors as well. Easiest way to make it, an actor, right? Unless you're a big famous one, you're just a sitting duck. You're yeah. waiting for someone like me to give you a job, like director, producer, showrunner, whatever. And that's all right. Still do that because that's you'll get some work from it. But what you should do at the same time is become a producer. Start doing your own short films that you star in. And you have an active conveyor belt of stuff always coming out. More content, more showreel. You're learning. You're actually doing your craft. But no one goes and does it. It's just like people. People hire people. Yeah. Like when when this company's massive. Like if anybody comes along for a job interview, uh, oh, I got straight A's in school. I'll be like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, what I did you do in the last three years? Yeah. Why, why do you want this job? Yeah. Oh, because I love the company. I'll be like, look, you could have been a follower since day one when it was called yeah. mensselfimprovement.com. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking mouthful. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a great name at the time. It's fucking stupid. Um, Men's self-improvement. But if somebody, yeah. I went down that route and then I realized lifestyle was a little bit more... Cooler, isn't it? Yeah, but at the same time, the stuff that did really well was the men's self-improvement. Yeah, I, mean, it's good. I think there's a naivety amongst large percentage of men that they can't self-improve mm-hmm. they get too comfortable with who they are and I think it's always key I do I use a life coach I love it it's great it's mm-hmm. like someone like I don't have a boss rarely have a boss yeah and having someone 
who you uh, you answer to is helpful for me. Yeah. You're like, oh, you know, I'll just moan at her for an hour, be like, this is what I want to change about my life. And she's like, all right, well, you've got two weeks till we next speak. Go and do it. And I will. Mm. And she's like, it's so helpful. The amount of it is like 50 quid a session and like the amount of good life decisions you make off the back of it is gold. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I recommend it to anyone. And it's like, it's great. It's all like, it's just, especially anyone that's like freelance and doesn't have that structured career progression and can get distracted by a mini golf and mini golf tabs. Staying on the path. Um, I, I think yeah, anyone who has that kind of lifestyle should have someone like that. I think it's very helpful. Yeah. When I suffered from depression, I got a counsellor. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, I was like, it's, uh, it's, it's soft. Like, I've grown up in that, I was just in that era where, especially in somewhere like Stroud, like, it might have evolved quicker here in, mm. in London. But in Stroud, it was still, it's still stuck in the 90s now. So mm. back then, it was, you have to be tough, you have to dig holes, you know, yeah. get in a fight on a weekend, drink yes. a pint, you're a top boy. Yes, yes. You know, so when I actually went for counselling, she started saying stuff to me like, you were good at sport when you were younger, you were popular, you were this, you were that, you you putting so much pressure on yourself because you're expecting greatness in every yeah. area like you don't yeah. realize that it's okay not to be good enough yeah and i was like fuck nobody's ever said to me like yeah. it's okay to fuck up yeah, yeah. and it was so, so much weight off my shoulders yeah it was so nice yeah yeah well, i think like yeah like yeah like, i think any kind of thing like, my mates took the piss when i started getting life coach i was like mm. i'm not depressed i just like have having someone that just your life's so much better because you you're just focusing on the stuff you should be rather than, you know, like, my brain's just like a fucking scattergun. Yeah. Just having like some fucking focus. Very helpful. And not chucking that on somebody close to you. Because I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of putting that on my missus or my mum and stuff like that. Like, I just call people just to kind of, not rant or vent, mm. but just be like, why hasn't this worked yet why hasn't yeah. this and you know going to somebody who's outside who's external yeah. and keeping this area positive yeah. I think it's really important yeah I agree I everyone mean, should have one yeah no, I agree I often ring my mates and rent down the phone that something's not happened yeah but yeah no I think I think it's good I think it's just like keeping your meditation as well mm-hmm. it's like with my brain like just non-stop even when I'm sleeping it's like <laughs> do you ever wake up and make notes oh yeah yeah always. it's a pain in the always. ass isn't it but then I like, lie there I'm like I will remember it in the morning no I won't you don't. I have yeah, to get yeah, you yeah. don't yeah. yeah but it's your intuition knows you've got to write it down mm-hmm. someone I, I had this other night someone owes me 200 quid and I, I remembered it in the night I can't remember who it is again <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's me <laughs> you know I mean? uh, was, someone owes me 200 quid and I can't remember it's a nightmare mm. um, but yeah man I think it's um, yeah like, you know it's all just roller coaster ups and downs and I think you can be susceptible to the downs if you have you know, like not a steady stream of income and projects that are big and take years of work to get made I think you just got to keep your head up and you know you'll get a hundred no's for every yes mm-hmm. and you just you get tough to it you just get used to it like, yeah I'd rather get a no than not a reply agrees yeah you know, yeah like, been my mantra with girls for ages yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say to these influencers and stuff I'm like just at least get back and be like you're not big enough yet yeah you know something like that I just be like yeah fine yeah. like but just like smooth over the relationship yeah. not yet but it doesn't mean we can't work again in the future it takes yeah. two minutes right and then when this blows up it, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll just turn up yeah, especially when they live in the area you're like hey, kidding you me chat about yourself for now it's like yeah. therapy in itself yeah with a cup of tea <laughs> 
Yeah, I want to get KSI on as well. He lives there. Really? Right, just like that massive building. He lives in the penthouse right there. So I want to get him on. That's cool. It's a short little walk over. I met um, Logan Paul at a party. Yeah. Just before, you know, he did his like suicide video thing. <laughs> about six months before that. He was lovely. Yeah. Nice guy. Quiet. Is he really? Yeah, really quiet. Do you think there's some... I don't know if you can say, but do you think there's some substance abuse when he does, like, the events and stuff? Oh, yeah. changes, <laughs> do you know what I mean, right? Uh, Los Angeles, mate. Yeah. A lot of them are. Unbelievable. Couldn't be like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know about him. I, he wasn't doing it at the party I was at. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much everyone else. Like, yeah. It's mad. Like, Maybe he was on a comeback. I don't know. They, they'll do gear on, like, a Thursday, and then yeah. get out for work at 9am on a Friday. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> do you think that's the sun? The weather makes you feel a bit better. It's the entertainment industry. Yeah, I guess, it's yeah. Mad. Dangerous for people. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do no. it personally. I, like, I pride myself on the clean life stuff. Like, I feel yeah. better when I'm clean, when oh, I've yeah. got up at 5 a.m. I've accomplished four or five things before 9 a.m. Yeah. I feel like, okay, the rest of the day is going to be great. Yeah. If I did the opposite, I'd probably, God forbid, commit suicide. Yeah. I'm that type of person. I'm either completely driven and yeah. inspirational. Yeah sat on my own doing nothing all day pissed off yeah. like if things go bad I want them to get a lot worse like I have a destructive yeah. mindset yeah. if they're going well I want that same compound yeah. effect or yeah. knock on effect to keep going and get really really good but it's only going to be it's yourself weird. that sorts that mindset out yeah. it's only going to be yourself that gets up at 5 in no one's going to do it for you I was saying you earlier I need to start getting up early let's do it I'm going to actively try and do it in January the girl that I'm doing a run with is getting up at 5.30 every morning training so I might get up two, two pieces of advice go to wake up one day super early and be knackered all day yeah. and then you'll want to and, and train that day yeah. and you'll sleep at 10 like a baby yeah. effortlessly yeah. the other one put, like get one of those alarm clocks where you can actually choose the tune so yeah. actually pick songs that you like and put it across the other end of the room so when it goes off you'll be like oh I'm not pissed off because I like the song yeah. and I've got to get up and go Good idea. I do, yeah, my worst thing in my life is snoozing. Yeah. Snoozing shit. Man. Yeah. If you got, for some reason, it's nine minutes. Why is that? Nine yeah, minutes. Yeah. Stupid. Uh, and in nine minutes, you don't get back to sleep, obviously. If you do, it's poor quality sleep. Yeah, it's shit. And you've been waking up again for nine minutes. And I'll do that for an hour. It's not healthy, though, is it? You know, an it's alarm. Not, I feel but in terrible. general, like an alarm, like, right in your ear, that yeah. fight or flight mode. I found something the other day called this, I think it's like the Philips Hue light or something. Yes. And it's, know, it's yeah. like all of these lights combined. Yeah. But it rises like a morning yeah, sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, you leave it next to your bedside or whatever and yeah. just aim it on your face. And apparently it wakes you up naturally. I had a sleepover. I think the other that'd day. be great. And, um, Go ahead, like blackout blinds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it. It was midday. Yeah, yeah. You, I was yeah. Like, strange. Yeah. I don't know if I liked them or not. Mm. I like. I like. Sometimes, if I am going to get up early, I sleep with the blind open, and then let the sun wake me up. But then in winter, like it doesn't get light till about eight in the morning, does it? Maybe like a. Yeah. There's apartments up there where it's like all glass all the way around, and it like faces the east. Uh huh. And I just think in the morning you just get that sun right in your face. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sun, sun in like, where's my bedroom? I used to have a bedroom in my old house. And I, I moved from the bedroom because the sun had come up in the morning and it just made the room really hot. Yeah. It wound me up. Where was so that? That was in Wimbledon. Oh, really? I yeah. thought you were going to say LA with the heat. No, no, no. This was, this was just really, it was high up. It was like the third floor of this house. And so the sun would come over the other building quite early. And kind of, nightmare. Kill me. LA's alright. LA and Chicago. Chicago's horrible weather. Because it's... In the winter, 
it's freezing. Well, the dog used to not be able to go out on certain days for a week. So it'd freeze while it was coming out of it. Jesus. Mad. Uh, and then summer's Fuck. boiling hot. I couldn't imagine what that's like. Cold. Arctic. Yeah. Arctic. Toronto was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're not far away, really, yeah, are they? Pretty close, right. yeah. We, we just always arrived at, like, March. We tried to avoid it. And then came back home for, like, Christmas. And then... Yeah. No, just, I think like, that's what, that cold period. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do in England, I think. Because it's miserable like, this time of year, isn't it? Like, oh, I hate it. Everybody's ill. Everyone's pissed <sighs> off. Yeah. I think the best thing to do is just get away. I, yeah, I want, like, a 50-50 life. I want 50% of my life in London, 50% in LA. Mm. And just when I'm cold and down, just shoot over there, do some good weather, like filming and podcasts. Yeah, Enjoy myself, come back. Yeah, I wanna, I'm starting the whole visa, proper visa situation mm-hmm. at the minute. Is it difficult? I'm lucky, so they've got one type of visa that's just for film directors and actors, and the agents are over there, so they do it all for you. And yeah. For me, it's relatively easy. Being white helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> American it's customs. It's sad, isn't it? But yeah. 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 My mate, um, he is English, brought up in Chelsea. I think his dad was Lebanese, um, so he's got a Lebanese-sounding second name, uh, and he had so much difficulty getting his visa in the US. Compared to the other lads who had like very, British you'd like to hope racism's gone. Oh, um, no. Like my girlfriend's black, yeah. she's like Indian Caribbean, uh-huh. and some of the stories she'll say, you know, from like jobs where she was there like two days, did the job perfectly well, and the other girls are looking at her really strangely, and then she's out the door. You know, when no. she was younger, she's fired, like quite a curvy girl, yeah. like real good looking, and it's, within a day, just like bang, gone, and the whole office is white. From London, yeah. East London, yeah. yeah. You'd think, especially around here, it'd be better. Mm-hmm. London's always been very good at not being as racist as everywhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. But yeah. then you hear the odd story and you're like, oh, shit, it's still there. Yeah, you know, you'd right. like, as a white man, you'd like to think it's gone. Yeah, but some of the stuff we hear at Grimsby Games still. Yeah. We had um, a player signed for us about four or five years ago, Aswad Thomas, and he was playing for another team at Grimsby before we signed him. And there's a lady in the crowd was racist to him. So he got banned for ages, and then he still signed for us. Oh, really? Yeah. Mad. But yeah, you know that. And then she likes him again. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? But it's like, it's a place like that where it's 97% white people. It's just like, it's not that they're aggressive, and I've only heard it two or three times at a Grinchy game, but every Grinchy fan would have heard it Mm -hmm. at a Grinchy game. Um, It's just like naivety. It's like just saying stupid stuff. Just unfamiliar naivety oh we played like Bradford at the start of the season it's like someone just behind me shouting like piss off back to Yorkshire you curry eating dickheads or something it's yeah. just like what? how do you how have you made that assumption <laughs> like, right what? yeah like, unbelievable right so I loved about Toronto because I went from like a tiny little old British town where everyone, everybody was white homophobic mm. racist and I went to Toronto and there's just like muscular gay guys walking around the street holding hands mm. And I'm like, number one, this is great to see. Number two, he would kick your ass if you said it to him, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I thought was great. It was yeah. like not the stereotypical, yeah. you know, if you saw him in a pub having a pint, you'd be like, what a straight, yeah, yeah. you know, we good went, old fashioned straight man. Yeah. I just love the kind of the openness. Yeah. We went to West Hollywood Pride. Yeah. That was cool, man. Yeah. So much fun. It's funny, right? I was going to go to the Canada one and everyone was like, there's a lot of guys that might. It's very Try gay. it on, it and I was like, I'm sure it'd be there. fine, but yeah, like, I didn't go. The gay bars there are very different to gay bars here. Yeah. It's like, gay bars here are still, like, a lot of them are still relatively straight. I mean, it's like there's lots of straight yeah. men in there, girls yeah. in there. But 
there, oh, different story. It's like, but you know you go into one. Like I've got a couple of gay mates out there, and we, they live in West Hollywood, which is like the gay part of town. Um, and you go in there, and you know what you're like, going to get. You know what you're in for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to do. I remember when my sister was at uni, like probably over 10 years ago now, she was like, it was the first era where people started to realise that all the hot girls were going to gay clubs. Yeah. So then loads of guys started yeah. going and it just fucked up the entire vibe. Yeah, that's what, that's what we do in the UK. Yeah. We, like a group of straight lads, there's one of them is gay. And so we piggyback on the back of that. Yeah, yeah. Full well, we're only going because there is going to be Fucking girls. membership. <laughs> <laughs> Get us in. Yeah, it's bad though. Gra- grab some it. dick. Yeah. Get us in. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. It's yeah. Like, but it's, I think it's fun because you don't get people starting fights in there. Yeah. Like they're far less aggressive. No macho bullshit. Like. You've seen the shape some of the guys are in, though. Unbelievable. There's probably some steroids involved. It's yeah. everywhere now. <laughs> Fuck me, they're in some shape. I got, I was about 16, I got given poppers in a gay club ah. in Manchester. That's an invitation. I had no idea what they were. <laughs> no idea at all. Yeah. Some guy was like, do you want to sniff this? I was like... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, it, yeah. Why not? I'm, I'm yeah. six nine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was probably six nine, but yeah, it was um, yeah, an, an awakening to adult life. Yeah, <laughs> it's different ways. Robbie Williams had a similar experience to that. I heard about that on the True Geordie podcast. Really? They were like performing in gay clubs because nobody else would accept them. Yeah. And also, what was it? Take that was like yeah. five young handsome men. Yeah. Great audience for them yeah. to like grow out of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely really clever. I'm conscious about camera because I know it's got. I think it does two hours continuous filming. Cool. So I just, I've written a few things down. I can't remember what. Um, I really wanted to ask you about the bold guy that was crying in the film. Yeah, David. His crying is bang on. It's real. Like I lost my best mate at 18. That's exactly how I cried. Yeah. So his. Um, I wonder what was the story behind yeah, that. Yeah. So he's got prostate <laughs> cancer in real life. Oh, okay. Um, and the funeral scene, he was imagining his own funeral. Wow. Um, so it's particularly. It looks so genuine, yeah. You could tell. Him, yeah, poor guy was almost having like, a fucking panic attack after. Yeah. Shit, sorry about uh, that. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, like, he's, he's good, like, he's healthy. Like, you know, he's fine. He has to eat special foods and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like. Um, wow. Yeah, so yeah, there was a yeah, lot of. The whole thing, like, the way that, just the way that we cast it, like, they were. I got. The actors. The reason I chose them because they were so they they had personal likeness to the characters, or they were going through things that the characters were going through. And yeah, just felt like you know, especially David. You know, I'd knew I'd known David from before we did that film. We'd done like three or four shorts together. The most supportive guy in the world. Like, you know, he was the one really that before I even had that chat with the director, I was saying Jack, you should go do a feature film. Jack, and I was just like, no, I'm not ready for it yet. So he was the one. You know, kickstarted it all. We're working, we're writing a film together at the minute. Um, yeah, well, he's a good, good lad. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, a lot of it was real, and a lot of you know some of the, some of the shots were hard. The campfire scene. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Yeah. And it started off about fifteen minutes scene, it's down to about two minutes, but like all the crew were it crying. Was tearing up. Yeah, 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 cool. It was. It was a really good shot at the end when they stood around the grave. Like that's yeah. not a good shot in itself, but the uh, the lighting. Yeah. That was. I don't, I, I was wondering whether that was artificial or whether that was. No. The shot where it's basically their silhouettes. Basically, but with like a glimmer of light yeah, on like one so that, side that of their face. Yeah, that is a fake light. That was okay. the one we put up. Um, but that, it was a real graveyard and there's a church where the light was coming from. It might have been. Yeah. I think it, we put one, just one big... Did it looks really cool. It almost looks like it's dimming, but it's not as your eyes adjusting. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that very last shot, 
that, that one you're on about, I wanted to do far more of a pullback on a track, so for it to come out and out and out. But because we were shooting on a hill, we couldn't build a track. And I had to build it funny with like scaffolding. Yeah, it just and, takes and too there long. wasn't enough space basically to start. I would have been starting the shot far too close if I needed that amount of track. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, it was cool. It was great to do. It feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it feels so you know. It's just like frustrating. Want to do this next one? It's like. You're but not it's only, if you get held back. This thing only came out agitated. in March, though. Like it came out like last year, and it's like because we shot it like three years ago. It feels long ago. Yeah, it's like I think I didn't really do much for six months after. I didn't want to do another film. It was so stressful, but I loved it. Um, so it's like six months of starting Guiana, uh, and yeah, it's, it's only we've really only been back on the train a year, um, and yeah, we nearly made that and got the agents and lots of stuff in development. So. What's next? What's the future? To well, sign, sign this podcast off. The future. Uh, I want to be in a position where I can make stuff easier. Um, the immediate future. Twenty twenty. It's been a successful twenty twenty. Shoot, Freedom Millionaire. Um, when we should do. Um, and I want to do at least a couple of TV things. I think they're a lot easier to get made than films. Nice. You'll have to let me know when it comes out. The Three Day Millionaire. I really want to watch that. Come down, like, do a big premiere in Leicester Square and stuff. I'll advertise it as well. I'll, yeah. I'll shout out. Do a live podcast from the red carpet. Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> it's cool. We did for the, the Jewsbury premiere in Leicester Square, and then um, journalists kept getting my name wrong. I don't know who told them that I was called Jack Springer. Yeah, but, why would that? It was like live TV going out, and I had to correct the poor lady. Yeah. She's going, we're in live with Jack Springer. It's like, oh, she's Springer. Yeah, it's growing problems. That'll change. <laughs> yeah. <somewhere. laughs> No, it's nice when nobody knows your name. Yeah, I you can like walk places. Be, I wouldn't like to be actor famous. Yeah, people like weird, isn't it? You're not humans aren't Little strange. To be famous. Look at Bieber. Yeah, he, he's done, he's probably the best example of somebody who's actually dealt with it pretty well. Yeah, you think in history nobody's ever been that famous and dealt with it well. Yeah, black yeah. people deal with it better. Don't you think white people crumble? Yeah, right. That's yeah. that's strange. I think again, probably goes back to. You know, if you're a snotty little rich white kid, yeah, who then, you know, spends a million quid of his dad's money doing a big stunt and you get famous overnight, it's going to go to your head. Whereas if you're, there's nothing to balance it against either. Yeah, like it's always been good. Hmm. I know so many kids like that that just grew up, got given like quarter of a million on their twentieth, twenty-first birthday, and right. just dad was like, "Go and do whatever you want to do." And they find themselves in a nine-to-five job, and you're like, how, how did that happen? Yeah. I would have been a billionaire by, like, 22. <laughs> yeah. How did you fuck that up? Yeah. Tell you what you're investing in at the minute. Grimsby Town Football Club. Yeah. That's on the up, man. You still buy a house in Grimsby for 35 grand. Really? No. Wow. It's, um, I can't actually say this. It's, um, it's yet to be announced, but it's up for a relatively prestigious award next year. It's Grimsby. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep it quiet. Yeah. You can tell me off air. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I'm doing a world record in Grimsby, a couple of months. What is it? I'm making the world's largest fish finger. What's the current record? 139 kilograms. Fucking hell. Big really? Yeah. Like a 25 stone fish finger we make. Jesus. How big is it? Uh, we're like three of these tables. Fucking hell. Maybe two. Yeah. I haven't made it yet, so it's hard to guess. But mm. It's, um, yeah, Alaskan Pollock. That's what it's made out of. Wow. Do you know how they make fish fingers? They're just big 35 kilogram chunks of fish cut up into lots of fish. So all we're doing, we're putting like seven of these chunks together, curling it in breadcrumbs, cooking it. Well, wow. So like building a wall. Yeah. We're doing like big 
Grimsby PR stunt. Mm. I was going to say, what's it for? Yeah, feeding the homeless. Yeah, um, doing it hopefully with a renowned fish company based in Grimsby. Renowned, <laughs> world renowned. Um, but yeah, that's all going to be announced soon and stuff, which is cool. Yeah, it's great stuff. I just wanted a world record, really. Look yeah, cool on Tinder, yeah, look at yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I was going to ask you. What's your Tinder bio? I was going to say it's probably. It? I'll show you the Tinder profile. Yeah, Tinder bio. My guess is it will be Britain's youngest ever director, nah, world not. record holder, six nine. Oh, Come at me. Tinder, <laughs> I should make that every podcast episode. I should. Go, what's your yeah, Tinder yeah, yeah. bio at the end? So it's Hinge. So you know how Hinge works, where it asks you like three questions. No. Okay, so Hinge is a little different. So instead of a profile profile... I saw a lot of people talking about it. The, like, the idea is to get you off it quicker, right? Yeah, so you pick a question and then you write the answer and that makes up your profile. Mm. So my question was, what if I told you that? And my answer was, I'm about to be a world record holder. Okay, Smooth. yeah. Second one, most spontaneous thing I've done, put my mother on eBay. <laughs> I guess it goes. Uh, most... Oh, I've done two... I've done two most spontaneous things I've done. What's the other? <laughs> uh, got a rocket tattoo because the rocket and NASA looked dope. There we go. That's pretty good. I do, have, I do actually have Tinder, I think. I think go with the mother one. I don't know, actually. Women are weird like that. You know, anything against mothers, that's it. They're like, no. Imagine what he's going to do to me if he did that to his own mum. Put my mum on eBay. They took her down because I wasn't allowed to sell human body parts. I was like, it, still alive. I've heard that before. <laughs> Somebody else yeah. did it, yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. She's on about six quid, isn't it? <laughs> six quid? <laughs> I would have been offended. Yeah, I would have seen who bought it and then gone and kicked the fuck out of them. <laughs> I think I've put my brother on eBay before as well. I remember my mum telling me. I, I didn't, couldn't remember it. I think I was really young. Put Harry on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> I was a twat. To, um, to wrap this up, um, one thing I really want to do, like I said, I'm just fed up with the whole GQ setup where people yeah. are like, okay... Here, like here's a massive platform we're creating content for you we're doing this but everything secretly is a massive ad yeah. you know they're giving zero value back they're just asking for money and yeah. value. I don't want to shit on GQ too much yeah. um, I don't think I'm big enough to be on their radar yet but one day they might see this yeah. and then fuck me over so <laughs> I better be careful um, but for the audience who like they might be aspiring directors but they might be doing other things like somebody who has gone out there and done it you know and made a success of himself and looks as though he's on the trajectory of something great what advice would you give as like a leaving statement just to get people motivated I've got a tattoo and then it says what I don't know if I can see it dream chaser dream chaser you're, chase a, Meek, you're a Meek Mill fan chase no. your dreams chase your dreams yeah. yeah I mean you've only got one life it doesn't last very long mm-hmm. you'll regret it you'll, you'll be looking it's quite something you'll, uh, you'll look at yourself on your deathbed and look at 10 year old Jack in his eyes and say oh, sorry mate I didn't do that mm. should have done it and you like your life's better when you're following something that you like anyway. It's far more exciting. Yeah. When you go to a meeting that's actually about something you love and it goes well, the buzz you get, it's like class. We're doing it, yeah. Yeah. You may as well. You you know you'll regret it as well. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's not piece piece. But get off everyone else's train. And uh, I wrote a poem about this. Should I read it? Should I read it? Oh, you've read it? You've seen the poem? The video. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring it up now at the end. Yeah, man. I'll leave it with everybody. Yeah, That's that, probably a good way to sign it's off. It's my right? mindset manifesto. I yeah. It. I think it's, um, yeah, it's good advice from a young soul. I very much <laughs> got that vibe from you, though, that it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Just do stuff. Just act. Just go yeah, out there. And, yeah. And I'm um, almost out of energy telling people it because no one listens. No, yeah. I don't think anyone's ever listened to it. And actually one in a thousand will actually do something, yeah. Yeah. 
and I got it was the message I was told the the film that I worked on in York the whole thing was Dream Chaser oh really Chasers, you know, the whole film was about, about them chasing their dreams basically and how they raised the whole film was about how they raised the money for their film starting little hustle businesses as well mm. I basically just copied them yeah. <laughs> my story sounds so good but it's a copy of this um, yeah just chase your dreams be nice to people be polite give your family a cuddle every now and again yeah all that yeah it's a great message. Thank yeah. you for coming on, buddy. Pleasure, I really mate. appreciate pleasure. it. Pleasure. Thank you so much. No, pleasure, mate. Appreciate it. No, don't it. Enjoyable, man. Love it. Let's do it again. Definitely. Beep, beep, beep. 6am blues, twice you hit snooze. Read yesterday's news. A morning dispute, then commute. Now the day's yours to lose. A morning migration of sad-faced creations. iPhone fixation, frustration and moral taxation. Lost souls marooned on the idea of vacation. Four-pound mocker intravenous barocca just to get you through the pearly gates of your office staff room locker smile at the receptionist they're always nice take your filter coffee black and your water with ice remember your workload and organize your day resign yourself to the desk where you'll stay work nine till five just to survive work nine till five feel barely alive this daily complication is the price for your corporate remuneration and plenty feel empty when their bank balance thrives but this is what you asked for isn't that right after three years of partying and lines and long nights, to stand in these shoes and fill your parents with pride, to declare your profession and keep your doubts trapped inside. Yet get through the corporate agenda and at least you'll get your two-day bender, your repressed weekend offender. Eight cans of Stella and 20 fags, please, fella, to numb yourself from the reality of what could be, should be. At a club, you'll make moves on a girl who's all right. But she knows what you don't know about you in one night. You put a tenner on 32 red, but instead put 20 on following the dreams inside your head. Financial advisor, square-suited prize liner, be the bullshit prize fighter. You're charting a course under somebody else's steam. Do away with productivity. You're endangered in captivity. Of course you can follow your childhood dreams. Stop being a corporate pawn. Start being your own queen. There's a reason every five-year-old wants to be an astronaut. But by the time they're 16, they're all brought. Brought. Shit scared of the next school report they've been caught caught by the installed message of the cart do not the can do you want to go to space i'll give you a race where rockets are self-fueled and nasa has no place be you not him not her not them be you take the shackles off your ambition and launch yourself on a one-way mission to chasing the dream you can do it you've been told all your life you can't do it you can do it ages 4 to 16 ask for permission to question and you'll be met with aggression Never mind that attention at the teacher's discretion. Depression, recession, oppression to anyone who has the skill to show some creative expression. The prizes are endless and the failure is quite small. And if your life's a story, then you'll write it all. If this is the kind of kick you need to change your path, then use it. Don't share like it and abuse it. Choose it. Take yourself off everybody else's conveyor belt and make yourself smile. Wake up to something you want to do, not something you have to do. Spend your time with people you love in places you want to be. And after two minutes and 36 seconds, if there's one piece of advice to take from me, it's all up to you. So go ahead. Break free. <laughs>